and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you once again for joining me today. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, go ahead and do that right now and come out with new episodes every Wednesday morning, and you guys are going to want to check them out. Of course, you can also check me out on Instagram, Speak a Dogcast. And I know I've been a little bit uh, behind with my updates on the Instagram and haven't been on social media as present as I would like to be. It's been a bit of a crazy month. I've had a little trouble keeping up with it, I'll be honest. Um, But we're going to jump back on that train. I'm going to get some more content out there for you. So do me a favor, follow me on there. You can see we're going to get some Riker training videos, get those puppy training videos up there too. And it's going to be all good stuff. Now, I do apologize not having a new episode last week. Uh, We had to skip a week because the studio was, well, it was in pieces. (laughs) We kind of had everything pulled apart. We were doing a paint job, some upgrades, adding a couple things, and we're we're still putting the finishing touches on it. Uh, But that's kind of why we had to had to skip out on the episode last week was to, to do some planned renovation work, if you will. Um, but I'm excited. I'm going to get a picture of it once it's all done and clean and looks great. We're going to get a picture of the new studio up there and share it with you guys. I'm really excited to share. I think it's looking fantastic. So uh, all good stuff. But uh, happy summer to everyone. Got to say that. Yeah, happy summer. It's a great time to get out to the beach, be on the water and just have a good time. Now, of course, we also got to be safe. Uh, look, hey, I, man, everybody up in the Northwest experiencing that extreme heat wave. Oof, geez, I, you know, I feel I feel for you. I really do. Make sure you guys are staying safe up there, staying hydrated. Make sure your pups are staying hydrated and you guys are keeping cool. Tough time of year, tough. Um, but, you know, a lot of us, it is our time to get out there and explore nature and be out in the world and just make sure you're doing it safely, right? So let's talk about the podcast today. First segment we're going to have is called How to Stop Your Dog from Begging. Of course, yeah, how to get him to stop it. We're going to talk about the root causes of begging. Maybe some of the things you did wrong uh, that created your dog begging. But hey, if you already did some of that, if you already kind of screwed up, (laughs) that's okay. We're going to talk about how we can fix those behaviors, how we can change your dog's behaviors, okay? Uh, Then the next segment is going to be summertime with your dog talking about all that summertime fun we can have with them, how to do it safely. We'll also be talking about heat stroke, your dog overheating. What are the symptoms? What are the signs? What do we look for? And how do we go about uh, helping them and caring for them in that moment? So talk about a couple different aspects of summertime with your dog there. Then we're going to have our breed of the week, followed by our listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions about dog training, animals in general, anything at all with animals, feel free to email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Your question might get featured on the show. And of course, if you guys want to do any training with me, virtual training sessions. Yes, we're offering virtual training now. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with your dog behaviorally. We can set up some time to chat about it and make a great plan to have training uh, behavioral success with your dog. I'd love to be a part of that training process. Let me know. But before we get going with the show today, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is, what is the largest mammal on the planet? Yes, what is the largest mammal on the planet? I'll give you the answer to that question on somewhere in today's show. So be sure you stick around. Sit, stay, and enjoy. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's how to get your dog to stop begging. How do you get your dog to stop begging? I'll give you the magical secret. Here it is. You ready? 
don't feed them people food. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm not, but I, <laughs> I am. No, we're going to talk about how to get your dog to stop begging. But honestly, guys, the best way to do it is just never to give them people food. Yeah, it's that simple. Because the problem is their noses are too good. Their noses are so strong that once you give them a bite of people food and then another bite of people food and then another bite of people food, that anytime you pull it out, they know it's out and they know they get a bite. Okay. So that's the problem is people create begging. You know, they create these behaviors. If you never gave your dog any people food, if you never gave them that piece of steak, that piece of bacon, the piece of whatever, then they never beg for it because dog food and dog treats are all they would know. That's all they would ever get. And so therefore in their brains, that's, that's, that's the only option. Now, I know that's hard for some people to wrap their, well, I want Fluffy to have the piece of cake. You know, but you know what? Look, it, it's your choice. It's your choice at the end of the day. It's what I tell everybody about people food. It's your house. It's your rules. If you want your dog to beg and annoy the hell out of you all the time, if you want your dog to bark at guests that come over and are just trying to enjoy a meal with you, or then by all means, feed your dog people food all the time. If you love it when your dog is underfoot in your kitchen and you like tripping over them and breaking your leg, hey, feed them people food all the time. Look, guys, again, it's a personal rule, but at the end of the day, if you just constantly feed your dog people food, then that's what they come to expect. And anytime that food comes out, anytime you walk in the kitchen, anytime they so much as think you're walking toward that refrigerator, you've conditioned and strengthened that behavior that they should come over and get food. It's that simple. So if you just don't pattern that, then it never becomes a problem. So puppy, puppy owners out there, anybody out there with a puppy, if you're listening, don't give your dog people food. That's my personal belief, my personal rule. Is that to say my dogs have never had any kind of people food at all? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, look, here's the thing. When it comes to people food and my dogs, I might give a tiny speck of people food, like a tiny speck of bacon. And I'm talking tiny guys once in a blue moon. We're talking once, maybe every few months, maybe, like maybe that's how I don't even keep track of it. I couldn't even tell you the last time I gave my dog a bite of any kind of people food. And when I do give them it, it's when they're asleep in the corner. It's when they're giving me a desired behavior that's literally the antithesis of begging. <laughs> okay. The exact opposite of begging. If I choose to give them that speck of food, then and only then, and I do it rarely, then the habit of begging never, never occurs. It never happens. And therefore, I'm not reinforcing and strengthening begging. And if I don't reinforce and don't strengthen begging, guess what my dog will never do? But if I constantly give them food, constantly, 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 and they come back from one, they come back from one, they come back, we're literally creating that pattern of begging. Like you're, you're literally creating that physical pattern that they should come over and get food. And then when they come over and want food and you don't give it to them, what happens? Woof. Woof. <laughs> right? Because you are not following the pattern you created and your dog's going, hey man, what's up? <laughs> this is how this works, bro. I come over here, you give me food. Like that, I don't know what's happening. I smell bacon. I smell bacon. Every time you cook bacon, I get bacon. And now you're not giving me bacon? Woof, woof, woof. That's why begging starts, okay? So if you just never feed your dog people food to begin with, guess won't what won't happen? 
begging. Okay, now, I know, I know, and as I've said before, I get it. You want to share a little something with your buddy. You want to share a bite to eat with your friend, your best friend. I get it, you know? Like, I, my dogs are my best friends. They really are, and I understand that. But you have to accept the behavioral consequences that come with it. Look, it's just like having a kid. It's just like being a parent. If you wanted to just have an ice cream with your kid every single day, no matter what their behavior is, no matter how they're acting, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be reinforcing those bad behaviors on the days they are being bad. If you still give them ice cream, there's no incentive for them to stop being bad. There's no punishment. There's no reward for being good. There's just constant reward. So their behavior sort of becomes irrelevant and then they start acting like little buttheads, you know? It's no different with your dog. No different with your dog. So I get you want to have a little snack with your buddy, but you just, you can't do it if you want to. So, okay, so let's say you've already screwed up. <laughs> let's say you've already created begging with your dog and you already have this problem. What do you do to get rid of it? Now, at the end of the day, guys, it always comes back to basics. It always, I always go, we have to reference the rules of psychology first. And the rules of psychology tell me that if a behavior stays the same, if, excuse me, if I want a behavior to either stay the same or increase, I have to use reinforcement. However, if I want a behavior to decrease and go away, I have to use punishment. Okay. If you haven't listened to my segments on punishment and reinforcement and the concepts of psychology 101, highly recommend go back, check it out. Um, there's actually a segment early on, one of the first few segments. And uh, honestly, off the top of my head, I probably should have looked this up. I want to say it's episode number three that's titled Dog Psychology 101. Great segment, guys. It goes over the generalized stuff, but I can't stress it enough. If you don't have a basic understanding of these psychological concepts, forget training your dog. Okay. So, uh, there's that one, and then there's, of course, I think episode 16, if I'm not mistaken, um, of positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, punishment. Another great episode to go back and listen to and gives you all this information. But let's start assuming we, you know, we're, we're on episode 34 now. We're rocking and rolling here, man. Uh, if you guys are regular listeners, I'm going to assume that you're getting this information. Uh, you've really started to try to digest it. You're understanding it. You're with me on this stuff. Love it. So let's, let's, let's look at it. If I need begging to stop... By the rules of psychology, I only have one option, and that is to punish the behavior. Now, of course, the first way we can punish begging, guys, is not giving them the food. That's our first form of punishment right there, withholding food. If the dog wants the food and I don't give them the food, boom, punishment. Now, sometimes that's not enough. <laughs> sometimes that actually makes it worse, as I talked about before, right? Now, all of a sudden, we get boof. We get the dog boofing and woofing at us, and that makes it worse. It accelerates it. I got news for you. We don't really have an option but to punish it or redirect it. Now, let's talk about redirection. As I've said before, I always try to redirect behavior before I go to a punishment uh, most of the time. Most of the time. Should I say a harsher punishment or, or, or something, um, a higher consequence, if you will, a more intense consequence? So that's why we start with trying to maybe ignore it or not give them the food. If we can try to ignore the behavior first. Most of the time when you've already given the dog food and reinforced this behavior, ignoring it is not going to work. I can tell you that right now. Now we can try to redirect this behavior. And what I mean is if your dog knows a place or a spot, right, they know to go to their dog bed, you can redirect them. That alone can be a form of punishment just by grabbing them by the collar, nothing crazy, but grabbing them by the collar, being a little serious about it, taking them over to their bed, place, stay, okay? Putting them in their spot, place, stay. 
go back to the dinner table, sit down, start eating again. If the dog gets up off the spot and come immediately get your butt up, go right over. Now, of course, guys, if we want to leash our, or excuse me, we do want to leash our dogs up so it makes it easier. The dog can't run away from you. You can just pick up that leash, make it nice and easy, boom, right over to the bed, place, spot, stay, go back to you. You're probably going to have to rinse and repeat this a few times. I would not recommend using treats with this. Important detail here. Most of the time, guys, I would... I, most of the time in, in, in a scenario where we're using a spot or a place, I would recommend using some treats to reinforce and strengthen that behavior. However, however, we're trying to get begging and food and the association of food to go away. And the reality is your dog is giving you behaviors you don't like. And if your dog is giving you behaviors you don't like, then you have to punish them by definition. And the last thing I want to be doing is teaching my dog again to come over, beg, then they get to go to the spot and then they get their food. Uh-uh. I'm smarter than the average bear, and so are you, <laughs> and we're not going to do that, okay? So instead, we're just going to teach them to go to their place. We're going to rely on the concepts of punishment and negative reinforcement because guys, just putting them on their dog bed and walking away, and then they don't get a collar correction or any other, just that alone, just removing yourself, and again, we're getting a little technical here, but if you've been listening with me, hopefully you're getting this, I'm going to put them on their dog bed. And I'm punishing that behavior, right? Because I'm going to use a little collar correction and they don't get to sit over there and beg anymore. Now, another simple way of punishment to look at it again, guys, the opposite of what an animal wants. If the dog wants to sit there and bark and beg at me and me just taking that freedom away and putting them over in a timeout, if you will, on their dog bed, just removing them is a form of punishment. Then I can add maybe just a little bit of a collar correction as a second form of punishment. Then I put them on their dog bed and I go back to sitting down and eating. So what's happening is I remove the punishments at that point, right? Okay, theoretically, I'm not correcting them anymore with the collar, and I'm not removing them any further, and they're just sitting there on the bed. So theoretically, I've removed the punishment in order to negatively reinforce that behavior. I don't need treats to reinforce behavior every time. You don't. And again, understanding the concepts of reinforcement and punishment, just by putting them on their bed, I can do punishment, negative reinforcement, punishment, negative reinforcement, punishment, negative reinforcement. And the dog figures out, boy, every time I get up off this bed, I get a collar correction or, or I don't get to be over by them anymore, which is really what I want. And this isn't working for me. So I'll just kind of chill out and lay down on the bed because I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't really want to fight and battle with them anymore. A lot of times just that alone, guys. Just a punishment, negative reinforcement. Punishment, negative reinforcement is enough to get it. Now, I might say, hey, good boy, once they lay down and relax on the dog bed, they might pop right back up and I might have to redirect them back there again, which is fine. That's totally cool. Do it as many times as we need to. Um, as long as I'm precise and clear about what my rules and expectations are, okay? And that's pretty clear. Stay on the dog bed. Stay. <laughs> okay, if you don't, I'm putting you back there. It's that simple. Okay, so I might throw them a good boy once they lay down and relax on the dog bed, but I'm still not going to be using food if I'm eating. It's a, it's kind of a, it really, it's a basic rule of thumb for me. If I'm eating, I don't involve food for the dog. I don't, because then all we're doing is we're still just associating food and food, you know? That's not what we want to do. Your dog should be able to leave you alone without having to use food. Yeah, your dog should leave you alone without having to use food. Look, and I'm the first guy to say, you need to be giving that dog a treat. You need to be reinforcing that with food. You need to be reinforcing that with food. I'm the first one to say that with behavior. But it's not always the answer. As I also talk about in training, there's never just one solution for every scenario, for every situation. There's not. There's not just one solution that's going to magically fix everything for you. So it depends upon the dog's motivation 
and understanding in that moment what reinforcement is to that dog and what punishment is to that dog. Because reinforcement's not always a treat. We talked about this before too, right? Okay. So again, guys, this is why we got to go back to basics. This is why understanding the concepts of psychology are so important because this is how you get your dog to stop begging. You have to understand their motivation and know how to punish it. And then know how to reinforce that behavior, even if you're not using treats, knowing how to reinforce that behavior of, of, of them relaxing, of them calming down, of them leaving you alone once you get it. Okay. As I always say, human beings are, you know, we're really good. We're really awesome. We're really awesome at telling people what we don't like. <laughs> we're really great at finding the negative humans. Man, we like, we, we could all learn a medal in that, especially with ourselves. We're all very hard on ourselves. Um, it's how we grow. It's part of it, uh, by being hard on yourself, by, by recognizing your faults. But, um, <laughs> but you've got to recognize the good stuff. You've got to recognize the desired behavior. Look, I, I, it's, it's where most of my clients miss out. It really is. They're really good at telling their dogs no and telling their dogs things they don't like, but they miss a thousand opportunities to tell them what they do like. They miss so many opportunities to go, hey, good boy. And that's my job is to step in and show them those opportunities, to show them those chances to strengthen good behavior. You know, I, look, I do believe in using punishment, but I believe in using it sparingly and and precisely and knowing how and when and what kind of punishment. And again, that comes into understanding the dog's motivation, because if you use punishment correctly, then you can rely more on strengthening desired behaviors when you see them. Okay. Even something like ignoring a behavior can be punished. We talked about that. But again, if you can start honing in on the good stuff, anytime your dog goes and lays down and relaxes, go, Hey, good boy. And I can hear people going out there, David, well, that's normal. So what? Don't be complacent to good behavior. So if your dog, if you go to eat something and they go in the corner and go lay down and leave you alone because you've been redirecting them to their spot over and over and they finally went and did it on their own, don't be complacent to that. I'm going to look at them and go, hey, good boy. I like that. Keep doing that. Good boy. Okay. Very important detail. Now, we can also utilize a crate. Um, look, I don't utilize a crate a lot as a form of punishment, but it can be done. And there's nothing wrong with it. There isn't. There isn't anything wrong with using a crate as a form of punishment if you do it correctly. If you don't overuse it, if you're still using the crate as a form of a good place, a place they desire to. Um, so, you know, what I mean is, again, if if your dog is being a pill and not leaving you alone and you're having trouble with the spot and they keep getting up, and keep getting up, and you're, you're just you're maybe finding it's just not quite there. Bring a crate out. I have no problem with that. Or tethering. Tethering while you're eating for a couple minutes, tethering for even 30 seconds or putting them in their crate for even 30 seconds, waiting till they relax, then letting them back out. If they come and they start begging again, you take them, you put them right back in their crate or tether them back up 30 seconds to a minute. Wait till they calm down. Once they calm down, you let them back out, so on and so forth. So again, the concept's really, really simple to your dog that, man, every time I beg, my freedom goes away and I don't get any food. But if I just leave these people alone, I don't go into the crate cool. I'll stop doing this. There's another way to get begging to stop. Okay. Um, but really guys, really in my experience with begging, honestly, honestly, it comes down to telling your dog, no, telling them, no, providing some sort of punishment, whether it be touch correction or collar corrections and telling them, no rules of psychology dictated. The only way to get behaviors to stop is to punish it. Now I don't recommend 
overusing color corrections or punishing too harshly. Okay, it's all within reason here. And again, I recommend always getting with a trainer, behavior specialist in your area. Shameless plug once again, those virtual sessions, they're going great. Please feel free to reach out to me at questions at speakadogcast.com. Uh, we can set up some virtual dog training and we can get some behaviors under control. We can dive even deeper uh, into the begging because, you know, begging can be a little bit different. It manifests in different ways with different dogs, different people. And there might be different ways we have to go about redirecting it. Hence why I want to give you the spot, the crate different ways to go about uh, approaching it. But there's also just the option of a good collar correction, guys. Telling them no, a little collar correction, or taking the collar, redirecting them away from you and telling them no. Okay, another great way to get them to leave you alone with begging. It makes it very simple, black and white. Every time I come over and beg to this guy, I get a collar correction and I go further away from him. Okay, make it very black and white. Punishment doesn't have to be anything horrible or intense or crazy. But it does have to be something an animal works to avoid, as that's the definition of punishment, anything an animal works to avoid. Okay, so really when it comes down to it, the way to get your dog to stop begging is to go back to basics, go back to dog psychology 101 and understanding how to redirect and punish undesired behaviors and reinforce and strengthen desired behaviors, them leaving you alone, them stopping begging, right? So again, highly recommend going back and listening to those segments on the basics and then putting them together with what we just talked about. And that's how you get your dog to stop begging. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. It's summertime with your dog. Yeah, it's summertime and everybody wants to get out there and have some fun with their dog. But, you know, it's hot. And as we've all been seeing, especially with the heat wave going on out west, we've definitely had that excessive heat. And um, it can be a really tough time for your dogs. And as a dog owner, you know, it's hard to get your dog out and about and it's hard to really expose them and get them on good walks and things like that. If it's just too damn hot, I mean, that's all there is to it. And, you know, in Florida, it's, it's hot a lot of the year. And especially down here in South Florida, the sun is very, very intense. It, it really is. And, you know, I only used to live what, two hours north of here. It's not that much further north, but man, what a difference. Like you get below that frost line, you really start getting, I mean, really toward the equator, right? You just get that much closer and it's crazy how much more intense the sun is down here. So uh, as a dog owner, as a behavior specialist, as someone who works with dogs and pets, I really, really have to be on top of it and paying attention to the weather, to how hot it's going to be, what activities I can and I can't do with my dogs, and the best ways to go about, uh, best ways, you know, to really go about 
getting their energy out in a healthy way and in a way that's going to be safe. Um, you know, I, I was up in the mountains a couple weeks ago and it's, it was still pretty hot up there. And even then the dogs were clearly hot as we went hiking, they were clearly getting warm and I had to make sure that I was prepared and, you know, we're doing it in a safe way. So while there's a lot of fun activities we can do with our dogs in the summer and a lot of great things, and it's, it's a awesome time to get out there with them. We've got to make sure we're doing it safely. Um, you know, the first thing I, I've touched on it before, but the first thing I really want to talk about is my five second rule. It's not really my five second rule. It's a generalized five second rule with dogs when you're outside and walking them. And that's that you want to take your hand, you want to put it to the ground, asphalt, concrete, look, even grass. I mean, again, in Florida, the sun's really intense. I've even put my hand on the grass in the middle of the afternoon on a really hot summer day. And it's crazy how hot it is. And so if you can't hold your hand to that surface for five seconds without it burning, without it hurting your hand, um, you know, if you can't do it for five seconds, then it's not going to be very healthy for your dog's paws. Now, dog's paws are pretty tough. And the more you walk them, you callous them up. And, you know, really their, their pads are definitely made to take some punishment. But reality is <laughs> they're meant to take ground, dirt, sticks, not asphalt, not concrete. And that stuff gets unbelievably hot. So I can't stress it enough. If you can't put your hand to the ground for five seconds and hold it there comfortably, then it's not okay for your dog. It's going to be too hot for your dog. And again, what will happen, guys, is that the pads will actually peel back. They blister. They literally blister like it's a burn. It's uh, it's horrible. And it's not fun for your dog. It's going to hurt. You're, you're going to have to be putting little booties on them so they don't get infected. Their feet don't get infected once they get burned. It's, it's, it's not a fun time. It really isn't. So please, 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 please make sure you're doing that five-second rule every time you walk outside when it's summer and really hot, especially when you live down here. Um, you know, and just to touch on this, talking to we kind of segue into walks here. Like when we go, when we walk our dog in the summertime, look for me, my cutoff is somewhere between nine and 10 AM, you know, unless it's a really overcast day, unless we've had some rain and it's cooled everything off. My cutoff time for walking my dogs is between nine and 10. And, you know, I've said, I, I see people out at like two in the afternoon on a hot summer day walking their dog and it just, it kills me. I'm like, oh my God, that poor puppy. Uh, not only it's feet, but my God, it's like, you know, heat index of well over a hundred degrees with the humidity here. And it's just hot. <laughs> it's just too darn anywhere in Florida, you know, really in the summertime, it's just too hot to be outside with your dog, um, at, in the middle of the afternoon. And for that matter, like I said, for me, my cutoff is nine to 10 AM to really be out there for extended periods or beyond concrete. Okay. So my cutoff time, that means I've got to wake up early. I've got to get my dogs out on a walk early. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, my summers, I, I think I tend to be up a little bit earlier, even maybe 30 minutes to an hour, uh, at least some days <laughs> earlier than I might be in the middle of winter when I can walk the dogs whenever when, Hey, maybe I can get that extra 30 minutes of sleep. Cause there's no reason to be up at four 35 AM, <laughs> but you know what? You got to do what you got to do. So Again, important, please be aware of the weather, the, the, the temperature of the concrete, the asphalt, wherever you're walking your dog, do that five second rule and make sure you're aware of it. Okay. So let's, let's just jump to it. What happens? Well, actually more importantly, how do we spot, excuse me, how do we spot the symptoms of overheating in your dog? There are definitely some symptoms that your dog is going to give off, you know, excessive panting or hyperventilation. That's one of the first things, you know, and again, if you've already, if you've been outside for an extended period, and your dog is going to be exhibiting any of these signs. And sometimes they're 
um, the, the, the symptoms will present themselves alone, sometimes in combination together with other symptoms. So, uh, again, it's important that you're aware of what you're doing. If you're outside, if you've been out there a while, your dog is presenting some of these, maybe they are overheating. So again, excessive panting or hyperventilation, dryness of the mouth or gums becoming pale. That's another one, guys. Now, interestingly enough, actually not just dryness of the mouth, but if they start excessively salivating, if they go the opposite end of the spectrum, same thing. That can be a symptom as well of overheating. Now, erratic or rapid pulse, you can definitely feel your dog's pulse. Check that out. Um, if it really feels erratic or rapid, that can be a sign. Now, keep in mind, if a dog is panting, you know, they do pant to control and regulate their body temperature. So maybe they're just at a normal pant. Their pulse might be a little uh, higher than normal, but there's a difference between like a rapid pulse and erratic pulse versus just uh, a heavier pulse because you've been exercising. So be, be cautious with that one when you're checking out. But again, you want to be aware of all these different symptoms. Now, if your dog is presenting any kind of weakness, if they're all of a sudden being very lethargic, maybe there's a little bit of dizziness, confusion. They just don't quite look like themselves. That's a big sign of overheating right there, guys. That's definitely a big symptom. So that's one that's going to tell you right there your dog's overheating. Vomiting, that's another potential sign. Um, so these are all things, again, that either be either can be a symptom alone or in combination. So if you're outside, you know it's hot, and all of a sudden your dog is presenting maybe one or a combo of these symptoms, what do you do? What do you do if your dog overheats? You know, the first and most obvious thing is move your dog, uh, move your pet dog to a cooler area immediately if you can find some shade. If you have a fan available, definitely want to use it. Now, they make really great little, these little tiny plug-in fans that'll actually plug into the battery port on your phone, uh, especially like I have an iPhone. My wife's got one of these. It's really awesome. And yeah, it'll just plug right into that little, the, 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 the you know, the charger slot battery, excuse me, <laughs> the charger slot. Uh, and even something like that, even something minimal like that, just that little amount of wind, little amount of air across them can really go a long way. Now, of course, there's battery powered fans, all kinds of stuff. Not a bad idea maybe to keep that with you if you're going hiking. Uh, so if you do have a fan available, obviously we want to use that. If you're, if you're near your house, even better. Hey, you got fans available. Um, another thing, use cool, wet towels. You want to take these towels, you're going to put them under their armpits around their neck or in between their hind legs, right? Areas that are going to come in good contact with skin and cool them off. Now, you can also do a little bit around their paws as well. Um, you know, look, if you're out on a hike, if you know there's a creek or a stream or something like that nearby, that can be really helpful too to get your dog a little immersed in that. Uh, and again, hit those spots with cool water, okay? Now, I did have a episode, an episode a few episodes ago about hiking, uh, hiking with your dog and going hiking with your dog. Maybe last episode, <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm a little thrown off, uh, being that we took off last week to do some work on the on the studio. Uh, but yeah, the hiking episode, I talk about safety with hiking with your dog. And you know something, really, in the summertime, you should take a lot of those tips and a lot of those uh, pieces of advice, and you really should apply them to even just your daily walk. Again, you really, you know, you should have water with you when you're going out on a walk, even if it's just around in your neighborhood. You really just, you, I can't stress it enough. It's so important. We're talking about the difference between potentially your dog's life and death. I mean, that's that's serious stuff, guys. It is. So always keep a bottle of water with you. And I'll, I'll throw it out there again. The Gulpies, G-U-L-P-Y, Gulpies. Great little tool. It's a self-contained water bottle and bowl. It can clip onto your belt, clip onto your side. You can throw those in a doggy backpack. Throw the doggy backpack on your dog. Again, be careful. 
Don't put too much weight in there. Don't overwork your dog and overexert them in the summertime, but you can keep a little water in there for them. Always making sure you've got that water with you. Okay. So, um, if you didn't check out that hiking episode yet, go back, check it out. There's some really good stuff in there. And again, most thing, the biggest thing I just want to stress is make sure you have that water. Now, while we're talking about water, we want to offer your dog water if they're overheated, but you definitely don't want to force them to drink it. This is a really important detail, guys. Please don't force your dog to drink it if they're overheating, because if you do, you actually run the possibility of getting water in their lungs. Obviously, not what we want to do. Um, so that's a really, really important thing. I know you really want to do what's best for your dog and you really want to care for them. Obviously, it's hard to watch your dog have any kind of symptoms that are, you know, any, anything medically wrong. And a dog overheating is not going to be a pretty thing to see. So you don't want to panic and try to start forcing water down. If they want to drink it, absolutely offer it in small amounts at a time. Don't let them overdrink. Don't let them drink too much because, again, you, you can, can cause some issues there, okay? And while we're talking about water, let's talk about ice. This I see a lot when dogs are hot. People think they should offer ice water or offer ice. And actually, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> um, if a dog is overheating and we offer them ice, look, it's, it's, it's the same with human beings, guys. If you, have, if you know somebody that's overheating... You, you don't want to uh, give them ice water or water that's too cold because the problem is you can actually cool their core body temperature too fast, too quickly, and it can cause them to go into shock. Like seriously, but that's, you know, for real. Uh, really another important, important detail. If your dog is overheating, do not offer ice. Ideally, you want to offer like room temperature water. Seriously. Uh, and same for, same for people. You know, if you're working out and you're doing a heavy workout, your body actually retains, and this, is, this goes for dogs too, um, your body actually retains the water better if it's room temperature versus being cold. Um, so keep that in mind, guys. It can cool their core body temperature too much, too quickly. If the water is too cold, if you give them ice, it can cause them to go into shock. So please don't offer ice if your dog is overheating, okay? So those are the things you can do if your dog is overheating. Of course, if your dog is overheating, guys, call a vet. Get your dog to the vet. But you want to do all of these things first. You want to try to cool them down immediately. That's the most important thing is to try to cool them down in a safe and healthy way. So all those tips are really, really important. Okay. Now, how do we keep our dogs cool? Man, I mean, uh, you know, look, I don't envy you guys out West up there in the you know, Northwest because I'm, I'm sure it doesn't normally get this hot, right? We're on record temperatures. Um, so, you know, I, I, it, it stinks and there's a lot of hurdles to deal with, but there are some things we can, we can try to do. Uh, they do make these great cooling mats. It's like a little dog bed cooling mat and, you know, and I'm, I don't know how they exactly work scientifically, but <laughs> they are able to circulate air through them because of the material and everything. And it actually creates a cooler laying area for your dog. And it has been proven to help keep them cooler, help cool them down. Um, another thing, honestly, those cots, like a dog cot that sits a couple inches off the ground, those are phenomenal because what you can do is you can take a fan and you can aim it underneath the cot, circulate air underneath, and that can also act as a good cooling mat, help keep your dog a little bit cooler, okay? Now, this next one is only to help keep your dog cool, not if your dog is overheating. There's nothing wrong with giving your dog ice as a fun treat, guys. There really isn't. There's nothing wrong with it if your dog is not overheating. If your dog is presenting symptoms of overheating, again, Let's just reminder, no ice, but this can help keep your dog cool. Here's my next tip. 
you know, you can take dog treats, any kind of fun dog treats, small meaty treats, whatever, freeze them in ice. Yeah, you can put them in an ice tray. You can actually even take like a little bowl, uh, you know, find like a metal mixing bowl, a small one, and fill it with water and fill it with treats. And as it starts freezing, drop the treats in so they're at different levels. And that way your dog has to look at it. Keeps them busy for a long time. It's big enough that they can't just crunch it and eat it, right? They have to look at it slowly. And of course, they'll smell those, those they'll smell the treats in there and they're going to want to lick away at it. So that can help keep them cool. It's a good way to get, get them to, you know, keep getting water, but in a slow, easy way. Again, not if they're overeating. <laughs> Very important. I just I can't stress it enough. Um, but that that can be a fun and cool way for your dog to keep cool. Now, of course, there's swimming. I mean, that's an obvious one. Take your dog swimming. Great way for us to keep cool in the summer. But swim safety, really important stuff too. You know, I was I got I got to go back to the safety stuff every time. Um, you know, I know it it seems silly. People are like, well, dogs are made to swim. Well, of course they are, but. Some dogs have to kind of be taught how to swim. Some dogs go in the pool the first time and panic a little bit, and they end up, their butts end up sinking because they don't use their back legs enough. And the, okay, it can be a little dangerous. So the first thing I want to talk about is you know really pool safety, swimming pool safety. Because if you have a swimming pool at your house and your dog has never been in the swimming pool, that can be very dangerous. God forbid your dog falls in that pool when you're not around, and it doesn't know how to swim. Or also, it doesn't know where the stairs are, doesn't know how to get out of the pool, okay? It's really important that all of you out there with swimming pools, all of you, teach your dogs where the steps are, okay? Make sure your dog knows how to swim. It's really important. Now, some dogs are not really physically capable of swimming, and in that case, you got to be even extra careful. you got to be even more vigilant and, and, and on it about where your dog is and knowing that they're not there. But most dogs, you know, can, can do at least a decent little doggy paddle. Uh, but again, teach them where those stairs are, guys. Teach them where those steps are. It's pretty easy to do. Put them in the pool like a foot away from the steps and teach them to come to you. Okay? Put them two feet further out. Teach them to come to you. you got to do this a couple times and you need to do a couple repetitions. Now, if your dog is fearful of the water, <laughs> how do we get a dog to acclimate to the water? A little easier said than done. Look, to me, I don't ever like to push a dog swimming. I don't want to like overdo it because if I push it too much, they can actually become fearful. One of the best ways to get your dogs acclimated to the water is to actually have, have dogs come over that uh, love water. Let your dog watch the dogs swim, right? The dogs that love the water, let them watch them swim, let them watch them play, have a good time. And usually before you know it, that dog starts becoming interested and going, well, hey, it looks like they're having a good time over there. What's that? I kind of want to go check that out. And then they'll put their feet in on the steps and then they might splash around. And before you know it, you know, to me, again, maybe it takes a little time, but they'll become interested. They'll end up going in and they'll end up having fun with it because the other dogs are having fun with it. Uh, but slow and steady is the key, guys. You don't just want to toss your dog in the pool, scare the hell out of them, and then they are afraid of the water. You know, that's not what you want to do. Take it slowly. Ideally, ideally, if you can find a gradual entry, if you have a gradual entry pool, hey, even better. Um, but ideally, take them to a lake, a river, something like that that has a gradual entry. That's the best way. Maybe not the beach because the waves can be a little scary for the first time, you know. <laughs> um, but take them to like a lake or a river or something. Let them explore the water 
kind of on their own terms. Let them go in just ankle deep and kind of, you know, see what it is. Bring some toys out there. Get them to play in the water and have some fun. And then slowly get them in a little further and a little bit further, okay? So take it slow and steady. Don't push it. It may take a couple weeks. It may take a couple different visits to the water, a couple repetitions to get them totally cool with it. But I can't stress it enough. You don't want to force it. You don't want to force it. It's going to have the opposite effect, and it's only going to make your dog fearful, okay? Uh, So think about that. Now, when you are swimming with your dogs for the first time, look, a life vest can really come in handy, you know? It's not necessarily about oh my gosh, my dog's going to drown when they're literally a foot from you in the pool. (laughs) It's not about that. But, you know, think think about a dog's perspective. When does the ground ever disappear out from under their feet? It really doesn't. Like, swimming is about it. Or when they're a puppy and mama dog is going to grab them by the scruff and lift them up. That's about the only time that the ground disappears from under their feet. Okay, so sometimes going into that pool and the steps, you know, not a gradual entry, having just steps, it kind of freaks them out because they feel like, again, the ground's just disappearing. So I've discovered putting these life vests on dog, making them more buoyant, making them float a little bit. It can actually make them feel more comfortable. They don't really feel like they're sinking as much and they tend to want to just start, you know, naturally doing the doggy paddle as dogs do as when, when, when we bring them toward water, right? Um, so it lets them feel confident that they're not going to sink and it actually speeds up the process most times for, for swimming. It really does. It, it can really, like I said, just builds that confidence. So keep that in mind. Now, if you're going out on a boat, of course, you need to have a life vest on your dog. It's just safety, guys. It's it's just smart, you know. Not only can it help make them, again, feel more buoyant, but it makes them more visible in the water, too. If you're boating in a lake, if you're boating in a river, look, dogs, your dog might jump off the boat one time. I, I hate to say, you know, they might just decide one day, hey, this looks fun, jump. If you're in a busy area with other boats, you need people to visually see your dog in the water for safety reasons. So life vest, there's another reason to have that on your dog. Now, personally, guys, I really I recommend tethering your dogs when you go out boating, especially if it's new, if it's something new they've never done before and they're not comfortable with it yet. Good idea to put a life vest and a leash and tether them up. Um, yeah, it's just smart. You know, it just seems silly to give them the opportunity if they don't know any better. Okay. Now, once you go out on that boat a thousand times and you've tethered them and they're used to it and they have no need to jump and they haven't exhibited any of that behavior, sure, you know, know your dog, know your training. And when you're comfortable with that on your terms, you know, that's your call, then maybe they can be off leash on the boat. But to start with, leash them up, life vest them up. Important stuff there, right? Okay. So, all kinds of fun water stuff we can do with our dogs. I think that's what, you know, that's that's a great way to keep them cool. And obviously, it's a lot of good summer activities. Now, I'm in Florida. A lot of people listening I know out there are probably in Florida, too. And we've always got to be cautious of this, guys. Look, I, I grew up in the Orlando area, and I spent a lot of time on the St. John's River and spent a lot of time in swampy areas. And, uh, you know, having gators around us is really just kind of a part of life down here. Rule of thumb, anybody, if you're not from Florida and you're unfamiliar with this rule, this is a rule of thumb of Florida. And I don't care if you're just visiting as a tourist, this rule, believe it or not, still applies. If there is a standing body of water and you are in the state of Florida, there is a pretty damn good chance there's a gator in it. (laughs) I'm talking well above 50% chance there is a gator in that water. Okay. So you need to remember that and respect that. Okay. This is, this is just kind of part of living in the state of Florida. We have gators. They're in canals. They're in creeks. They're in rivers. They're in lakes. They're everywhere. 
Okay. They're everywhere. This is their environment. This is where they live and they are everywhere. Guys, gators, most bites, most attacks happen at dawn and dusk. You know why? Because that's when gators naturally feed. So if you're in the state of Florida visiting with your dog, if you live in the state of Florida with your dog, please be careful. Please be aware of your surroundings when you're by water. And of course, avoid being close to water at dawn and dusk. Gators will not hesitate to come out and go for a bite if they feel it's, it's you know, opportunistic. If it's the right size meal and they size it up, they'll come out of the water and grab it. Look, there was a story recently about a gentleman in Port St. Lucie, just north of where I live, and he was just walking along. Actually, I think I, that's right. We did a story on him on Dog Heroes, of course. And what happened, guys? <laughs> gator came out and grabbed his damn dog. I mean, crazy, crazy. And he fought off the gator while holding a cigar in his mouth almost the whole time. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, totally a Florida man moment. I loved it. <laughs> but it happens. Man, it stinks. It's horrible. It's terrifying. By the way, the dog was okay in the end. Um, but guys, it happens. It happens. So please, please be aware of gators and water in Florida. And no, look, uh, another little tidbit with gators. Mating season is May and June. Okay. The months of May and June. And as, as you know, if you don't know, gators get very territorial during mating season and they get even worse. Mama gator gets even worse when it's nesting season and nesting season is late June through July. So guys, May through July, you better be careful. And that's that's a good chunk of summer right there, isn't it? Uh, into June and July. So you've got to be aware of this stuff. You've got to be careful and be cautious when you're in Florida and with gators and dogs, okay? They don't mix. <laughs> they don't mix. Now, one other thing I want to make you aware of, algae blooms, bacteria in the water. Guys, if you're going out hiking and it's summertime, even up north, you know, there's a chance that there could be uh, you know, uh, things in the water that could hurt you, that could hurt your dog. So, hey, just make sure you're checking with your local you know, state. There's different websites you can visit that actually do study. In the state of Florida, guys, especially you know, down here in South Florida, we have these crazy algae blooms. And look, I'm, I don't, I don't want to get off on a tangent today on the reason for these algae blooms, but the reality is it's big sugar. Um, and unfortunately they have blocked the natural flow of water down into the Everglades from Lake Okeechobee. And in doing so, all of their wonderful chemicals used to farm get flooded into Lake Okeechobee and it creates these algae blooms and then they have to flush it out. And wouldn't you know it, it flushes into all our local, beautiful, wonderful rivers, kills all the wildlife, um, kills all the fish and can kill dogs and is also toxic to humans. Oh, man. All right. I'll just, that's it. You know, so be aware. <laughs> please, please be aware of this stuff because I look, I last, last summer, was it last summer or two summers ago? I think it was really bad down here. And you definitely heard in the news, a couple dog deaths, uh, a few, too many, too many. Um, so please be aware and be careful of that. Look, even, even growing up in the St. John's, sometimes algae blooms are natural though. You know, they do happen naturally sometimes when it's really hot, certain levels, uh, you know, and I'm by no means am I an expert on this, but the, the, the water levels, the nitrogen, all that kind of stuff gets off and it creates these blooms and pop, 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 pop. So please be aware of that in your local areas too. Now, of course, we always want to go to the beaches during the summer, but beaches can be a little tough just with the hot sand. Now, dogs' pads are made, you know, they are tough. We talked about that. So if you can get from the sand, you know, from the boardwalk or wherever the parking lot down to your beach spot quickly, you should be okay. You should be okay with your pup. Um, 
as long as you're not hanging out on that hot sand for a long period of time. If you can get through there quickly and get them to the ocean, cool off those pads, you should be fine because those pads are pretty tough. But you don't want to spend, uh, excuse me, spend extended periods of time on that hot sand because, again, those pads, they can blister, they can peel, nasty stuff. We don't want any part of that. Okay. Obviously, guys, I mean, come on, obvious stuff. Please bring umbrellas. Please bring shade. Bring things like that for your dog. Take it into consideration. You're out on the beach. It's going to be hot. And of course, bring water. <laughs> Got to say it again. Make sure you're bringing plenty of water, not only for yourself, but for the dogs too. You're by the ocean, salty. It's going to get a little, de- you know, you're going you're gonna to get dehydrated. Um, so make sure you're bring, bringing plenty of water for both you and your dog. Now, I hope there's some helpful hints in there for you. Again, guys, you know, I just want you to be aware. Make sure you're always looking out for those symptoms of overheating during the summer, excessive panting, hyperventilation, dryness of the mouth or gums, or maybe the gums are becoming pale. If they have an erratic or rapid pulse, if they're showing weakness or they're lethargic, or maybe they look a little confused or dizzy um, and vomiting, that can be another symptom of overheating in your dog. So be aware of those symptoms. If they do overheat, guys, move your pet to a cooler area immediately find some shade. If you got a fan available, put it on them, cool them down. Definitely want to use uh, cool, wet towels. We're putting those under the armpits, around the neck, in between their hind legs, making sure that coolness is touching their skin, helping cool them off. You can also put some water uh, or cool towels around their pads of their paws as well. Okay. When you're out hiking, when you're out walking with your dog in the summer, guys, Make sure you always have water with you. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You always need to have water. Even a couple sips can save your dog's life. Don't force your dog to drink water if they're overheating. Very important detail, guys, because if you do, you run the possibility of getting water in their lungs. And don't forget, don't give them ice when they're overheating either. If we cool down their core body temperature too quickly, just like a human being, we can actually cause shock. So please avoid giving them ice and don't force them to give, uh, don't force them to drink water when they're overheating. Now, of course, guys, a lot of awesome ways to keep our dogs cool. Swimming. We talked about all the swimming safety stuff. Uh, We can make treats, ice treats, right? Put treats in ice, freeze them up. Dogs can lick them. But of course, we're not giving them those ice treats if they're overheating, just as a help to keep them cool treat, right? We have cooling mats. We have cots with fans under them. All kinds of great stuff that we can use to keep our dogs cool in the summer. Guys, summer's a lot of fun. It really is, but it can be a little bit of a dangerous time for your pup. Brachiocephalic dogs, that's one thing we hadn't really talked about. Of course, all you owners out there with those short snout dogs, you know, you got to be extra careful in the summer. You do. I got an awesome little bulldog in my boot camp right now. I love this little guy. He is a spunky little dude. But you know something? I've got other dogs here that can go for an hour long, hour and a half long walk, even with a little bit of heat. Mr. Bulldog, he cannot. Okay. He really can't. It's too hot right now. I got to be careful. I got to be aware of that. He's going to go for shorter walks, making sure I'm getting his walk in early in the day, making sure I can find the shadiest areas possible to walk him. Okay. Pugs, um, bulldogs, shih tzus, all those brachiocephalic, all those short snouted dogs, guys, they overheat quicker and easier. So definitely keep that in mind. But you know something? If you keep these tips in mind, if you're smart, if you use your head, stick to that five second rule. Don't forget about that too. Um, You can have a safe and healthy summer and summer's a lot of fun. Some of my best memories um, are, are of the summer of hanging out with my pup growing up and really can be a good time. So keep your head on straight, use some common sense, and you'll have a fun and healthy summer with your dog. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the largest mammal on the planet? It's the Antarctic blue whale. 
weighing in at approximately 400,000 pounds, or around 33 elephants, at around 98 feet in length and with a heart the size of a small car, there's no question the blue whale is the largest mammal on the planet. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Boston Terrier. Now, of course, they're a member of the Terrier group. Happy, friendly, and outgoing, the Boston Terrier is a crowd pleaser for sure. With their little round heads, bulging eyes, and alert ears, they're sure to draw anybody in. A people-pleasing dog if there ever was one. These guys are social, great with kids, and they're an awesome family dog. They're very trainable, they're very eager to please, but they do have quite a bit of energy. So, of course, they're always ready to go for a brisk walk or an outing on the town. Always good to give them a lot of exercise and stimulation. But they are a very adaptable dog, and they can thrive in a variety of environments as long as they are properly stimulated. Boston Terriers are a strong, hearty little pup, and that does make an excellent companion and friend. Now, as far as care goes, owners do need to keep those big eyes free from debris and irritation, and responsible breeders are always looking for problems such as cataracts, corneal ulcers, and glaucoma. Now, being that these guys are a brachycephalic dog or a short-snouted dog, owners are always going to want to use caution to ensure that these dogs don't become overheated. And look, even too much humidity can actually be a lot for these guys. So always have to be cautious of that. Now, the Boston Terrier owes its origins to the popularity of blood sports in England in the late 1800s. Now, this led to many crosses of bully breeds and terriers to create these fighting dogs. And at some point in the 1860s in Liverpool, a cross between a bulldog and the now-extinct white English terrier was bred into a muscular dog named Judge. Judge's owner sold him to an American named William O'Brien, and O'Brien actually brought Judge back to Boston, uh, back home with him. Now, once again, Judge changed hands, being sold to another man by the name of Robert C. Hooper. Now, from then on, Judge became known as Hooper's Judge, and almost all True Boston Terriers can actually be traced back to Judge. Selective breeding throughout the decades to follow, you know, it changed the Boston Terrier into a, in a smaller, more docile companion-type dog, unlike their distant relatives. Now, the first Boston Terrier Club of America was formed in 1891, and two years later, the first dog was registered to the AKC. The city of Boston definitely has a lot of hometown pride for the breed. Boston University's mascot is, well, none other than the Boston Terrier. And in 1979, the state of Massachusetts made them the official state dog. Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Morgan from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Morgan says, My husband wants to let our five-month-old puppy sleep in bed with us, but I don't think it's a good idea. What should we do? You know, Morgan, I agree with you. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Um, look, I know everybody wants their cute little puppy to sleep in bed with them and it's adorable. And I always say, you know, I'll hear the, well, he's five months old. He's housebroken. What's the, what's the big deal? What's the worst that could happen? Look, 
my my comparison is it's like telling a five-year-old, hey, here's the rules and expectations that I would give a 13-year-old, but we're going to give them to you because you're a pretty good kid. No, <laughs> that's not going to work. Look, it's no different with your puppy at some point, even if they're even if they are housebroken. Like I said, I hear that a lot. Even if they're housebroken at five months old, I don't care. That doesn't mean they can't have an accident. That doesn't mean it's not going to set your training back a little bit. That doesn't mean it's not going to find something in the middle of the night to chew on. It shouldn't. That's not going to mean it's not eating something in the middle of the night. It shouldn't. And you're unaware of it because you're sleeping. Ah, see, to me, it's a safety thing first, guys. Puppies are puppies. And no matter how good they are at the end of the day, it's still a puppy. And it's just, I, I, I believe the same thing with children. Children are children. And at the end of the day, they're going to act like children, no matter how good they are. So you must always remember in the back of your brain that you have to have the expectation that they're going to act like the age they are. And it's no different with your puppy. You know, you might get lucky. You might get that one dog where you can let them sleep in bed with you and nothing bad ever happens. Hey, good for you. You're in the minority. That's, that's not the majority of dog owners and puppy owners and what they're going to experience and go through. So Morgan, my suggestion is no, you need to be crating your dog. Again, my generalized rule of thumb is you want to be crating a dog until they're at least a year old. The generalized rule of thumb, uh, but it's always better to overdo rules, overdo the crating, overdo something because it's not going to hurt to overdo it. It's not but it could potentially hurt to underdo it. So it's better that you not let any undesired behaviors escape you when you have the ability by just putting the dog in the crate, you have the ability to just head all that stuff off and not even have to worry about ever having to deal with undesired behaviors in that way. Next question. This comes from Sydney from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Sydney says, I have a dog who can be aggressive when people come to the door. Once they come inside and he can settle down, then he's fine. Some of my friends are recommending that I use a shot collar, but I don't really want to use one. What can I do to get him to stop? Sydney, I will agree with you wholeheartedly. Yes, you don't want to use a shot collar. Look, first of all, guys, I don't believe in using shot collars ever. Uh, it's one thing to use the beep aspect of a shot collar to try to um, condition the beep to meet, you know, for some other reason, not to condition it with the shock. I don't want to use the shock part of it. That's a different story. Uh, but no, Sydney, I, I really don't believe you should be using a shock collar. A lot of times shock collars can actually create more problems than they're going to help. You know, if your dog's already really aggressive and already really ramped up, oftentimes using something like a shock collar can only make it worse. Might actually make them more aggressive toward your, toward your strangers. Because now what we're conditioning is someone comes to the door and walks in the door and they get zapped. You see the problem with that? They're associating someone coming to the door and then they get zapped. It's not necessarily a really good idea. Um, what you should be doing is leashing up your dog. You know, you actually, I, I would recommend going back and listening to my podcast segment titled the front door and learning how to do the front door exercise. Because if you can utilize the front door, if your dog is food or treat motivated and you can utilize a spot or a place command, it's going to go a long way toward redirecting some of that focus. And that's how we start to redirect away from regression. However, 
it sounds like you might have a little bit of an intense scenario. So this is one of those cases where I would say you need to talk more one-on-one with a trainer or a behavior specialist. You need to get with somebody in your area, or if you'd like, again, hey, shameless plug, I'm just going to keep doing it. (laughs) Reach out to me. We can conquer it with some virtual training. We can start working on that behavior uh, and diving a little more in depth. Okay. Uh, But really at the end of the day, when it's something like this, I I would recommend getting with a professional on something like that. But starting to redirect the focus, redirect their behavior on something different, trying to motivate them and reinforce something, you know, a different, if you can get them sitting and staying on that dog, that's going to go a long way. So definitely check out that front door segment, listen to that a bit, see if that uh, information can help you. Um, But, you know, again, some of these more intense situations might require a little more intense help, a little help from a professional. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. And if you're interested in virtually training with me and your dog, be sure you email me there at questions at speakadogcast.com. Tell me what's going on with your dog's behavior, and we can set up an excellent plan to get that under control. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.